Hey guys, before we get started, I did want to let everybody know that the audio quality on this uh, interview isn't the best. I think one of the microphones was broken and there was a lot of echo and reverb in the space. But nonetheless, it is a great interview and I hope you like it. Thanks again. But you do that cool dropping the ball thing. And that's, the big a, yeah, that's like your signature. Welcome to the Backyards of Key West podcast with your host, Mark Barato. Okay, so this is the Backyards of Key West podcast. My name is Mark Barato, and I am sitting here uh, right on Duval Street, 1201 Duval Street, at the infamous, we're going to say infamous, <laughs> Key West Pottery. Yes, sir. With the magical magician, the, the artist himself, Adam Russell. Adam, nice welcome to the show. I'm stoked, man. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. I've actually uh, seen a bunch of your stuff. Um, cause I, we were talking before I used to live across the street for a month. We'd walk by, we see your stuff. Um, of course on Instagram, you're mm-hmm. like the Instagram celebrity down here because mm-hmm. typically people don't have many followers at all down here. And you've got quite a big following because mm-hmm. of the work that you do. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's great to actually be in the store and, and to meet you. And yeah. maybe before I go, you can show me the back room where all the little videos and the magic yeah, happens. Yeah. Cause you know, actually, that, that's one of the things that we talk to people a lot about is that um, we, a couple of years ago, we used to be on Truman Avenue mm-hmm. in Key West, which lovely location. We yeah. had great neighbors there. We loved it. Um, not as great in terms of business traffic, but when we came to Key West originally, it was really just about setting up a studio right? Um, and not necessarily becoming this... Um, like a studio just to make, not to sell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just not not even really as a retail venture, yeah. but just have a space to create work. Because at that time, say we, because it's my wife. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, that time, we were really pursuing a more conventional artist gallery relationship mm-hmm. um, where, you know, the artist is kind of the, the hidden little Quasimodo in the back and he's, yeah. he's making the work. And then you have base person out front in various cities around the world, right. ideally, and they're doing... Right, you know, the, kind of like the wholesaler, right? Because you'd be selling to them at a lower price, yeah, and they're kind of, upselling. Kind, kind of, you know. So, if you imagine throughout history, um, especially in our modern art setting, most artists make work, and then you've really made it when you've got a gallerist who is essentially your partner. Yeah, um, and they're selling it to their list of collectors that they've cultivated long and hard work right. over time. They yeah. maintain facility. They have the store frontage, all that. Right. They're the business aspect of exactly. it and you're the artist. And exactly. You keep the two separated. So that's kind of like, you know, as basic as it, as it was, it's like, that was my understanding of the art world coming out of a nonprofit background, working in the arts my entire life, but really to make a push for the studio. What we wanted to do was create a studio that was capable of making high end work that we could then shop around and find this gallerist. And the funny thing that happened is just the magic Key West is people started to stop by the studio, right? See the work and be like, well, is this for sale? Or how did they come by the studio? Was it like open air and they just walked it was, by? Or? It was on Truman Avenue. We were at the corner of Truman and Grinnell. Okay. Um, right next to Island Bicycles. Right. And so foot traffic. Yeah. So there was some foot traffic and there's people coming in for the bike shop and we just hung up 
sign outside that said pottery, you know? Right. We were giving a little bit of classes and this and that. We're brand new to the island. And we came down with literally nothing. And when was that? This was 2009. Wow. So we had like nothing, right? Um, except for, you know, what, what artists have all over the world. It's just this, you know, you're possessed by just this love and this kind of dream. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't work out, but you just have to keep pushing on because right. essentially that's who you are right. in a way. Well, my question is, what would signify it not working out? Um, I guess not working out would be compared to where we came from, Toledo, Ohio, which still have a lot of love and respect for um, that art scene and that community. But compared to where we came from, QS is a very expensive place to live. Yeah, sure. So, you know, there's, as, as an artist couple with two children, there's some really kind of uh, rather non-emotional and pretty straight up stringent guidelines about yeah. what it means to make it or not make it yeah. and for us to be able to provide the opportunities that we want for the kids yeah for us to be able to have opportunities ourselves and not be asking favors yes. that was always my thing about business is we had people who really put us on to begin with, uh-huh. right uh, i mean great dear friends of mine mentors you know so on and so forth that could help us out with a place to live for a little bit right you know how it is of course of course yeah, when well, you don't have the kids, it's cool because you're like yeah. eating noodles and sleeping on couches. Right. You're fine with good. that. It's all good. Yeah. It's totally different when those little ones come. But in. it's like when when we were first getting started, the feeling I had was we had to make this go because we can't take favors forever. Mm-hmm. Like it's good and, and it's best to be able to shake hands and give like a heartfelt thank you and say, hey, man, because of you, we've made it. Right. Right. Like yeah. We're doing it. Yeah. And so that to me was how I measured success, um, you know, back then and even still now. We've, we've been fortunate that QS has kind of wrapped its arms around us and, and embraced us and inspired us, you right. know. And um, so it's it's kind of, um, it's grown from there. But yeah, we started the studio as just a studio. Uh-huh. And then the people of Key West and consequently of the world who are in Key West right. came through and said, Hey, you know, we want to buy it right from you. Right. So eventually, you know what I mean? I'm not the quickest learn on earth, but I thought, <laughs> okay, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's have a go at this. So, so now what you see here on Wall Street coming back, full circle to your original question, is um, this is our retail space. This is our gallery. Mm-hmm. And um, for a long time, the gallery and the studio are in the same place. But now there's actually a division of church and state. So the videos I make at my studio, oh. which is a island about a mile. Oh, wow. And this is this is our kind of clean space. I mean, I figured, yeah. like, you know, not being an artist myself or an artist in different ways, mm-hmm. I we would come by my wife because she's more of an artist. And we're like, okay, I know what they're doing. Yeah. they got the gallery here. He's making everything yeah. in the back. Yeah. They're living right above it. And oh, it's like man. a whole you know, cool... It would be cool. You know, it would be cool. This building is... Um, I'm not sure exactly what the vintage of it. I think it's a 1930s construction. It's solid as they don't make yeah. them like this anymore. Type of solid. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, it was the um, Miami Herald outpost during the 60s and 70s. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's, it's kind of a cool building um, in the sense that it was a salon for a long time, a popular salon down here. But, oh boy, I would love to live upstairs and work out the back. And all, yeah. You know what I mean? But it's just not. But I not think also so. there's got to be, I like having separation, right? Because yeah. I'm a consultant. I do everything myself. And it's like, I rarely work at home. And it's not like I'm being bothered. I just like to get out. I like to have noise. I mean, that's just how I operate. Like we were talking earlier. It's like the way my brain works is if there's chaos in the background, I can work. If it's quiet, I freak out. I I need that. 
Yeah. So like I'm like a coffee shop jumper. Mm-hmm. And in Miami, that was really easy to do. Down here, it's a little bit harder right, right, because right. they're like, you got to get out of here. You know, it, there's it's it's hard. I've never worked in restaurant or service industry that directly, but um, there's not like a cafe culture as much here right. as what you see in other cities for yes. just hang work. Right. Well, know? that's because because I've talked to a couple cafes that are here, yeah. and they're like, listen. We don't make money on the coffee. Right. We make money on the booze and the food. Right. right. And I've made friends with some of them and they're like, you could come in anytime you want, but I still don't want that because I want them to, you know, yeah, they're trying to make a living. I'll go to Starbucks. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. fine letting me sit there yeah, all day. Yeah, yeah. I have no problem. I don't like the coffee, but it's fine. You're yeah, yeah. If I have Starbucks, you want to sponsor me. I'm, I'm sorry that I said <laughs> that, but they'll let me stay there because it's corporate. Mm-hmm. So why Key West? What was the appeal? Did you visit before or were you like Key West or bust? You know what? I had been I had been in Key West as a kid um, mm-hmm. on the the um, family minivan trip, right. like as a teenager, and I loved it. Actually, one of my fondest memories of that trip is Key West. The first time I had ever had a mango, mm-hmm. and um, wow! And I didn't know how to eat it, so I bit right through the skin. Which, if <laughs> anyone knows, it's like tastes like pine saw, right? Yeah, it's like you know? eating an orange. Which yeah, is whoops! Um, but I bought that from a young man down in Bahama Village when I was here all these years ago, but. It wasn't necessarily Key West per se. It was um, I was the uh, I was a public art administrator uh-huh. in the city of Toledo. So I was working in the field of art, specifically sculpture, mostly mm-hmm. conservation, new acquisition. It was a great job. It it really um, it showed me where the rubber hits the road in the art industry. Right, uh, these people have to get it done. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is not just about oh, you get to do it. Love. Right, you saw the business aspect. Yeah, you know what I mean. Where it's like, okay, you know, artists don't have to be born rich or something. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like this is work, and there's yeah. a certain way that business is done. And I really got that education there. Ultimately, I knew that that wasn't for me entirely. Yeah. Um, because I wasn't making the work, and right. I just always kind of, I always put it this way: I wanted to be the dirty one, you know, mm-hmm. in the studio, making the mess, exercising the demons, exercising the visions. You know what right. I mean? Just getting it out. I've always been compelled in that way. Um, so during that time, I was applying to different artist residencies and uh, I didn't have the most well-developed portfolio in the world because I was working full-time, raising kids too and the, the whole deal. And uh, I saw an opportunity come through on one of these listservs that we were a part of at, at work. And it said, cultural manager in residence, you know, or, or a call for cultural manager's residency. I read the criteria and I thought, well, heck, I'm a cultural manager, you know, right. like I'm managing an art collection. And it just so happened it was the studios of Key West. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote down and it was, um, I think, darn near their first season of um, hosting people for residents, maybe second, but very early on. And um, I talked with the then director and they said, you know, why don't you come down as an artist if that's really what your ambition is, you know? Wow. If you could stay for a little bit longer, come on down. I had a painting project going on at the time that was called um, the Oneness Identity Project. And little did I know, the whole thesis of this project um, could be summed up another way, one human family. Right. <laughs> right? So right. they brought me down to kind of work on this project, develop the philosophy behind it, which is already really well set in Key West. One human family is our slogan yeah. on the island. Right. You know? And they introduced me to that. So they brought me down for a month um, in 2009. And uh, we, it was a a pretty big gamble for us, if I'm honest. Even just leaving work for that amount of time, like, 
we were a little bit hand to mouth at that time. So you were saying um, taking the gamble, taking the whole family, coming down here for the month. When you left, right. did the company you were working for, did the studio say you could come back or was it like, see you later? No, they were actually, these are still, I mean, some of my dearest and closest friends. It was um, the Arts Commission of Greater Toledo. It's a nonprofit organization up there and they're continuing to set the pace for I mean, I'll tell it bigger than it actually is, I'm sure, but they set the pace for the Midwest and the Rust Belt as far as arts innovation in the city, the outlying areas, inclusion, right. all these things. And they were supportive of me. I mean, I think that probably in that way, they could see that there was some risk too. Yeah. They put a lot of investment into me at, at that time. But I think that there's this thing when you work with people and you know them and you're actually working with the person is that you have to know that, you know, each person is complete, has their dreams and their goals and their you know, whether you like it or not. Right. And you might as well be supportive. Of course. And um, they really, truly um, embodied that. And so I think that there was some flight risk. (laughs) You know what I mean? Of course. But I came down for a month. And um, as we were saying before, right after that last week in November, um, a a gallery I was showing with out of DC had put on a thing for Art Basel in Miami. So we extended it to five weeks to go to Miami and, um, experience Art Basel for the first time. And on the way back, we're driving in our conversion van, my wife and I. She's pregnant with number two. Wow. Number one is three years old. He's in the back. And we're um, basically quiet the whole way because we're driving from, we had lunch in Miami. There's green parrots overhead. Yeah. And we're driving to Toledo where it's snowing sideways. Right. And you're like, oh. and, you know, by the time we got to Ohio, I think both of us had mustered up enough you know, gumption yeah. to look at each other and be like, we're out. I want to go back. She was trying to break it to me and I was trying to break it to her. And right, it was just, right. we were able to reach an accord, you know what I mean? But um, thanks to some help from people that we had met in a relatively short amount of time in Key West, it was a, a month residency and we had met people that were solid enough contacts, but mm-hmm. we had a place to put the studio and a short term, um, low rent lease on a place to live for long enough to, you know what I mean? Either sink or swim. Right. So you had like a plan set up, said, all right, we're going to give it a go for this long period of time. And if it's not going to work out, it doesn't work out. It doesn't work out. But, you know, we won't forgive ourselves if we don't. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, regret is like the ugliest, you know, thing to look at. It is. It is. I I haven't encountered a whole lot of it in my life, but the few run-ins I've had, it's like, it hurts. It hurts in a a kind of an existential way. For sure. Um, And so for us, it was just worth it. So 10 years later, um, you know, we've just the stars have been continually continually aligned in um, just we're just very thankful. We work hard and we're very uh, fortunate at the same time. Right. So yeah. Before I get into today, tell yeah. me about like when did you know you wanted to get into art and what type of art did you start with? Um, you know, for me, it was it was just never really a question. I never really considered anything else. Um, so as a young kid, you were like a young kid, art, yeah. art. My my father is uh, deeply artistic. He was um, a career law enforcement, ended up as a major crimes investigator. You're a brilliant man. Mm. Um, Still, is very artistic and has started uh, a design business in his retirement. Wow. So I know kind of where it comes from. Yeah. That's how we would spend time together. Um, But I pretty much just never really considered anything else. But like a lot of young artists, you know, you start with the pencil. Uh You start at the paper. were you like in school doodling in the corner and stuff? I was, or, I was, yeah. you know what I mean? I wasn't like a, a terrible student. I, I 
went to a decent school and I just kind of felt like I could get by and not have to try super hard, mm-hmm. um, which is a shame to say now that I have children. I'm like, try hard. Right. Because the lesson is yeah. not about getting good grades. Right. The lesson is learn how to work hard. Yes. It's the trying hard and the effort <laughs> that you it. put in that will catapult you in the future, not the A's and B's. Exactly. And, you know, A's and B's don't, don't hinder at all either, but it's, it's just about learning the hard work ethic, which I'm thankful that, you know, we come from this good Midwest stock. We all work yeah. hard. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but but working hard as an artist to me, by the time I was at art school age, meant painting, design, yeah. kind of printmaking. I hadn't really experienced a whole lot of three dimensional work, uh-huh. um, and it's kind of like a different world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I love painting. I have a degree in painting and, and printmaking, and I still do quite a bit of it. Um, and but there's a fundamental difference, you know, while we're at least the type of work I make, while we're painting and printmaking, you're essentially creating this illusion, right? right? You're creating this kind of portal into the imagination. Right. And that's awesome. With sculptural work, three-dimensional work, this object actually exists in the real world. Yeah. Three dimensions. Right. So there's a lot more, at least for me, to think of. I still want it to be a portal into the imagination. Of course. I still want that magic, but... There's a lot more components, you know what I mean, yeah. and, and materials and so on and so forth. And it was daunting to me. But um, I think ceramics is a really great way to kind of bridge that transition. Number one, it is um, highly traditional. A lot of these formulas have been figured out. This history goes back arguably 20,000 years, right? right? And at the same time, it remains undiscovered. Right. There's something new you can do. You can push the boundaries. There's people doing things in this field right now that have been never before seen and are fantastic. And it pushes me to go further, to reach further. You know what I mean? Um, and where do you see these people? It's just from social or just- uh, social a lot, but you know, uh, kind of just art, you know, the regular art channels. I'm, I'm a lover. We collect art. Right. I, I take it very seriously. Um, and it's just something that not even in a professional sense, um, which is something I enjoy deeply to follow, yeah. both the history of art, but also art contemporary. Where you're blessed that you could do it. Yeah. Right? Because so to have that so thing that you love to do, that it must happen, yeah. and then to actually do it, and then actually not be struggling, right. Right. that's a blessing. For no, it is. It is. And, and we don't take it for granted either. You know what I mean? Um, lots of hard work. And we're now to the point where I'm realizing that there's a transition, especially in this town and at this time in this town, that we're afforded the opportunity right now to actually create jobs in the arts on Key West, on Duval Street, on Stock Island, at our studio. You know, we're actually creating um, positions and livelihoods for makers in this place that's so legendarily hard to live and so on. So housing crisis, all this kind of stuff. But it's like, you know what? When you connect with people in a meaningful way, uh, the universe figures the rest out. And that's been my experience. I know that sounds a little woo-woo, but it's, um, you know what I mean? I just, my saying is make the work, love the people. Yeah. You know? But how are you doing that with, with other artists? Um, one of the things that has become essential for us is that we have a volume of work that this originally started with, you know, my wife, Kelly Lieber uh-huh. and I making the work basically in the back of a 1950s strip mall that right. was all run down on Grinnell Street. And um, it's grown now to the point that we are selling, if I had to guess, honestly, probably between five and 7,000 pieces of artwork a year. Wow. That ranges from a coffee mug for right. 30 bucks to yeah. 
public art installations could be 50 grand. Right. You know what I mean? But we run the whole gamut. And um, to do that at this point, we just need a ton of help. You know what I mean? So we're, we're working with other artists um, to help us create this work. Mm. Um, and so the phenomenon that's happened is that Key West Pottery itself has kind of become this li- living, breathing thing. Where right. it's like we have studio work, right? Yes. That is, that is signed Key West Pottery. Ultimately, probably it came from my my desk. I designed it. Right. Kelly designed it. But it's being made by a whole team of us. Wow. Then we also have my work specifically. Right. That that is some of the sculptural and the fine art work. And then we have Kelly's work specifically. Right. And so it's kind of like hers, mine, and ours. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we've been able to do that because, you know, the human species, especially in Key West, are brilliant little critters. Right. You know what I mean, it's like the team that we have right now, I'm so thankful for, um, because they help us on all aspects, you know what I mean? From retail to advertising mm. to actually physically making this yeah. huge volume of work. Right. Well, that's incredible. You found yeah. a way to be able to scale, which is typically the unscalable, because if you're it's the artist... It's there's only so many hours in a day and that's it. Stop, man. And there was a real crossroads there for us. Yeah. There was a real crossroads there where it was like, okay, we're going to do everything absolutely handmade by Kelly and myself. This is how big it gets. Right. Like, and that's it. it. Yeah. But you know, the, the, I hate to use a term like marketplace because I'm not a big time businessman, but it's like, but the base of people that we have met, the marketplace, yes. the collectors, people coming into our location that we've lovingly built. We're like, we need more. Yeah. And so that gives us a choice of what do we farm it out? What do we, you know, how do yeah. we do this? Or do we bring people in and create meaningful positions in Key West? Right. Which in some ways seemed like the harder way to do it. For sure. But, but it's the more way we wanted to. Yeah. Man. So we got a, yeah. we've got a team now. Well, that's so cool because Key West them. embraced you, yeah. right? Yeah. When you were there trying to build for a gallery. Embrace it back. And now yeah. you're embracing it back. So it's <laughs> trying to. Yeah. 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 But um, you know what? It's actually a very happy story. It's a lot of hard work. Um, there's so many different um, skill sets that you know a- any other business owner on Wall Street can tell you. Oh, I'm right. a manager. I'm a janitor. I'm an electrician. I'm, yeah. You know what I mean? They have to right. do everything. But it's like before, my idea of an artist wasn't as comprehensive as what it's actually ended up being. Yeah. You want falling deeply in love with it? Right. It's actually something I quite enjoy. So the art of business, you're starting. That's right. To a little bit. A little right. bit. Yeah. 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 So um, you know, and it's got its own rewards and. Plenty of sleepless nights, of course. Of course, like anything, you know, people look and they think, oh, this guy just showed up and, you know, dropped some clay down and made this beautiful thing and became an overnight success. But (laughs) nobody does. It's a marathon out there. And if you put in the time, this is the thing. If you love what you do, it's easy to eat shit for 10 years because you love it. But if you hate it, that's why you're like doing other things to fill that void of pain of your nine to five. So. I think so. And, and I think too that e- even though that is absolutely 100% true, and I totally agree with that, I think that there's another, maybe more obscured aspect mm-hmm. because um, in the popular culture, I get asked this a lot, you know, does, how does it feel to do what you thought? You know what I mean? And it's like, it feels great, you know what I mean? But there is also an aspect of you have to procure the ability to fall in love with what you have to do right as well yes there's certain aspects of what is now i guess quote unquote my job yeah that i did not anticipate i did not feel good at at first and were very frustrating but if i can make myself fall in love with that part if i can make myself at least embrace it as this is what normal looks like yeah 
then it doesn't feel like a grind. Right. You know what I mean? Then I can take on the next challenge after that one. You yeah. know what I mean? And so it's not only about doing what you love, but it's about loving what you do. And as well, dorky as that sounds, so true. It is. It is. And another layer on top of that is I talk to people, who especially who get bored in the thing that they do. And I say, you have to take on a percentage and it's up to you to find out what that percentage is of stuff that you dislike to do for your job. Yeah. If you're an artist and you love doing it all the time, what happens is it becomes boring. Because you're just doing the same thing all the time and there's no like, I have to get up or I have to do this. There's just too much ease that comes into it. If you're like, look, I don't like doing the books and we need to do them all the time. That's a good thing. You need to keep that because that keeps you excited for growth and to doing more. It's like going to the gym and working out and not being sore. It's right. like, what's right. the purpose of that? You need right. to have that pain. You need to have frustration. Yeah. You need to have anger. You need to, you need to have times, even as an artist, in my opinion, mm-hmm. where you're like, I don't want to do this today. Mm-hmm. Not, I don't want to do it anymore, but maybe I don't want to do it today. That's like healthy feeling. I feel because then it's like, cool, let me not do it. And let me cultivate something else mm-hmm. so that I miss that. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I'm super excited to get back to it. For real. No, it's, um, you got to scare yourself a little bit, you know? Yeah. I, I'm so, I'm so lucky, man. I can't, I can't sit here and ask like, or act like I know all these business principles. I scare myself and then it turns out, right. I have a partner, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. I'm in this with my wife and yeah, that's a blessing um, too. It is. And, and we get along really well, you know, both in and out of the studio. And I know we're on the right track when we look at each other, we're overworked, we're pissed, we smell bad, yeah. we've been working in the sun, whatever it is. We just both look at each other and we're like, are we crazy? What the heck are we doing? Right. And that's how I know, okay, the, that friction you're talking about is still there. Yeah. Like, we're still on yeah. this, uh, we're still pushing the rock up the hill. Yeah. And that's the rewarding work to me, at least. Yes, you know I, mean? I agree. I didn't, I didn't sign up to this to not work. It's like, I like to work, actually. And um, it's that friction. Yeah. You know what I mean, you got to show up. Yeah. And it keeps, keeps me sharp. It keeps me sharp. I hope as a man, but also as a father, it's like, I want achievement. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, I'm not just, this isn't about TV or something. Yeah. It was funny. I was watching last night a comedians and cars at Jerry Seinfeld oh, on yeah, Netflix yeah. and he had um, Jamie Foxx on there and Jamie Foxx said, you know, I was getting real soft because I was in all these movies and yeah. like, in the Academy yeah. Awards, stuff like that. And I'm still doing stand up, So I go to do stand up, and I'm out there and I'm like, how about those Range Rovers? You know? Oh man, it's real hard when like I rented this house, only had five thousand square feet. I felt cramped in there, and like you know, two people are clapping in the yeah, background yeah. like this, and he's like, "I killed it." And then he goes outside and he he opens a door back inside, and he hears like everybody screaming, and he sees like Chris, Chris Rock, like, the oh, first time Chris that. Rock yeah, is yeah, coming yeah. in, and he's like, one. you know, and then he's like outside in the cafe and these girls come over and they're like hey hey i have to ask you something and he's like yeah yeah i'm jamie fox he's like no do you know chris rock and he's like oh i need to step my game up over yeah, here i can't yeah, get too yeah. soft of, of doing this yeah and it was funny because the the funniest part was when he was like when i won the oscar they gave it to me and i gave it right to my manager uh-huh. because i'm like i feel like if i hold this thing long enough i'm gonna start to have this English accent. Been like, I've been working on this because I just needed to be raw and dirty still and yeah. do these things that I, that I love without getting too high on my own supply. No, it's, it's true. I actually heard him tell a similar story on um, Tim Ferriss podcast. Yeah, was, uh-huh. uh, 
um, I just felt like he was such a class act yeah. in the sense that obviously is a man of some achievement. He's a polymath when it comes to anything artistic, yeah. right? Yeah. Like he just gets it. But um, I, I totally agree, man. It's like, if it gets too easy, it starts to seem boring to other people too. Yeah. Not just yourself. Yeah, the mean, work like, looks boring, right? And, and it's gotta be, it's gotta be, um, you know, fresh. And I guess maybe there's some trap for success in there. I don't know. I don't know what, I don't even know how to measure success really, but it's like, to me, I feel successful when I'm making stuff that's hard to make. When I can look at something and be like, okay, there's only a couple of people, you know, maybe in the state or in the country or whatever. Yeah. There's only a couple of people who could even make this, but I feel confident and resolved. Yeah. That this was my original idea I came yeah. up with, Yeah, which was not some, you know, kind of uh, eureka moment. It's, it is an ongoing process of building layer on top of layer on top of layer. And it's a practice. Yeah. Right. And that to me is successful, especially when our basic creature comforts are met right. for myself, my wife and my family. Yeah. And, um, you know, so, so that's the thing, but, but without that little spark, without the heat, without the moments of being a pissy artist, who's got to sit down and pout for a little bit yeah. and kind of work some, through something, you know, after that, it's just, I, I'm not in this for the retail aspect. Right. It's like, we're trying to push something real here. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the most important thing in the world, but I think that people connect on that level and I dig that. Yeah, I mean, people look at, it's nice to know, I can imagine, that somebody somewhere is looking at your piece, and they're loving it, and they're feeling something, it's evoking some emotion, yeah. you know? Yeah. And and that's, I think, what's different about this kind of work than painting and stuff like that. It's not just yeah. hanging on a wall somewhere, it's like incorporated in part of the house, mm -hmm. or outside, or just mm -hmm. like the everyday part of the life, like landscaping and all that. Yeah, yeah no, I, I love that. I love how we're really on this fine line between fine art, which yeah. I love. You know what I mean? The fine art, it, there's a stigma. And so, you know, fine art is upper crusty and it's all conceptual. And, you know, these people are snobs. And you know what? Some of that's true. It right. is. But, you know, I, if you can read that language and get into it, the kind of, this kind of metacognizing on mm -hmm. human existence, yeah. I dig it. Right. Yeah. It's not for everyone. But, um, but then on the other scale is craft. Right. Craft has a place in our life. When I used to make these paintings and, put a show up and I was fortunate to have a, a couple of shows that I was really excited about. I mean, yeah. we weren't at the Met, right? Right. As a young man, I was really hustling on the painting thing and I'd put them up and people would come in and more times than not, people are so kind, right? Like they look and they're like, you know, I love this work. I love the colors. I love your, your design sensibility. Right. But I don't get it. Yeah. No one has ever told me that with the ceramics because it's already integrated into the life they yes. already get it yeah that's the thing about craft is that it's colloquial to the region of the country you're in or the region of the world but the meaning is the same you know and it's a nice bridge to a huge population of people that of course want beautiful accoutrement in their life yeah but you don't have to deal with all the pomp and circumstance yeah the fancy art scene you know yeah i mean i think fine art people will will i think it's the the specific people yeah, yeah that can make it snobby not the artists who made it because they weren't the furthest thing from wealthy or snobby yeah, when they were well, creating. You know what I mean? The world is full of people. I mean, there's people in the craft community who probably are a little off-putting too, but of course, but I, I, the only thing I mean by that is I can see how people would feel intimidated yeah. by the art world if they're not educated, right? It, it, educated in arts specifically. Yes. Yes. There's this whole packing order and the whole deal, like anything else. But, um, you know, I love that ceramics invites people in. Mm. 
and says, you get this, right? right? Like, you get this. This is for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, this is for us. This, yeah, is, yeah. this is about ideas. This is about, it's just a little bit more casual, I guess. Or right. At least that's the way I perceive it. And yeah. So that's kind of what we've embraced and it works. It works How'd you get into it? You know what? My wife, um, at, at the same time I was um, working with the Arts Commission. Sorry. It's okay. Um, my wife was helping to manage a nonprofit pottery studio in mm-hmm. Ohio. And she had already been working in the field, been making pots ever since she was a little kid. Right. You know, when we were in art school together, which is where we met, um, we were both studying painting. But even during that time, she was giving pottery classes at right. this nonprofit in Ohio. It's picturesque, little, beautiful studio. And it was just kind of always there for us in that sense. So um, we lived, we bought a used kiln and some used equipment, mostly for her. And um, had it in our basement. It was just kind of this cute, casual thing while we were pursuing this painting career. What and now she wanted to pursue that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this was just a hobby. It, kind of. Yeah. It, was, it seems like it was weirdly unconnected, maybe. I don't mm. know why. Mm. And then... Kelly is a great artist and, and a great craftsperson, really. And she started to get pretty serious about it. And was doing some street fairs and some this and that. Was trying to make a larger volume of work right. in her home studio. And um, she brought home one day a box of colors. And, and these things are called on-gobes. I had never seen them before. I wasn't making pots. Right. This is many years ago. And I was like, what are these, like paints? Or yeah. what? She was like, no, it's actually... Um, they're liquid clay, a slip, we call it, with mm-hmm. pigment added in. So it's like paint, but it's not paint. You actually right. have to fire it on, Whoa. but you paint it onto the wet pots. Like, well, I want to paint on some pots. Yeah. That's a bum painter. Right, you know? right. And so I started to paint on her pots, and we realized that there was this really magical thing going yeah. on where it was like, okay, so you have this painterly three-dimensional pot, and, you know, they ended up selling better than both my paintings and her pots. Right. So we were running down that road for a little bit, and then she eventually got to the point like, "Yo, man, you gotta make your own pots." Right. You know I mean? Stop, that, stop, <laughs> stop screwing yeah. on my pots. These are mine, and you gotta make yours. Right. And that's that's. Um, and she taught you. She she had a lot to do with it. You know, yeah. it's like we're in this generation now where it's like I'm I'm a YouTube evangelist. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Like, of course. I was going on. I was really trying to figure out the mechanics of how to do this because if any, you know, there's probably some listeners out there try pottery. Yeah. It's pretty daunting to begin with. Yeah. It's pretty tough. Um, but for one reason or another, I was afforded the time, the space, the equipment to just keep on trying. Mm-hmm. And I saw its potential um, and, and its commercial potential even. I could see that. I was like, I have to get this. Right. And eventually it started clicking. Yeah. And the thing is, um, with anyone taking classes, if you're struggling out there right now, yeah. um, you make progress rapidly and it's cumulative. So again, you're building these layers and they build up a lot quicker than you realize. Right. Um, and it's also kind of a plateau learning system where you stay at the same spot for a long time and then all of a sudden you just rocket yeah. forward. It's like anything physical. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird it's that, that happens. Yeah. yeah, it's like Tony Robbins talks about this with um, tennis as an example. It's like you first start, you buy the racket, you buy the gear, yeah. you get out there. And you start practicing. And of course, your volume of growth is super fast. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, boom, you hit a plateau. And most people quit at that time. And then they pick up golf and they do the same thing all over again. Whereas what happens is you hit that plateau and then you find somebody, a teacher, Mm -hmm. and they go, oh, look, you got to just turn the racket like a quarter inch this way. And Mm -hmm. what happens is you get worse. 
not better <laughs> because you're used to doing it one way and you're like in the right. net, in the net. And then all of a sudden you swing and it's like, boom, and it yeah. like goes over to rock ship and then you go to that next level. Yeah. 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 No, so that's, that's, it's the same, same way for, I think probably any acquired skill, but pottery, especially. So, um, you know, people now check me on Instagram or something and, I like to make really big stuff. It just yeah. works with my yeah. body shape, my ergonomics. I yeah. just enjoy to make it. it. I don't think that it makes me a better potter than anyone else. Right. I just like to make the big work. Yeah. Um, and people write and they're like, you know, what's your secret? Make big work. And it's like, boy, oh boy, I wish it was that easy. Yeah. You know I mean? It's just, it's exactly what you think. That's what the answer is. It's right. exactly what you think. Yeah. You have to make such a ridiculous amount of, you know, work that fails. Yeah. That is like a disappointment, mm-hmm. like, makes you want to scream because it's bigger or just any, any, especially big work in my experience, but well, it just costs more because there's more material that you fail with. And and it's like, you just have to ruin so much stuff and learn about the myriad different ways that things get ruined. (laughs) I mean, and, and you know, but you can reuse it, right? Like if you're making it, you can add, I'm sure water or whatever you add to it and smush it back up. A certain, a certain phase, you know, um, that's the amazing thing about this material is that it is, um, you know, we're the ones adding the value. Yeah. Right. So this is a natural material at this point, you know, the clay is, is mixed by a chemist essentially. And that guarantees it's safety for the consumer. It guarantees the, um, the temperature within a couple of degrees of accuracy. Mm. What we're actually doing here is creating a chemical reaction in the clay called vitrification. Okay. So at first, when we make the pot, it's this clay, and people are familiar, right? It's right. mud, yeah. basically. You know? And um, we let that dry out. And while it's drying out, if it were to rain in here or whatever, that would turn back to clay. Right. Like nothing has really changed. It's just become dry. Right. But we'll put it in the kiln. Um, the initial fire would go to about 1800 degrees, 1900 wow. really. And um, just as a point of reference, that's the temperature at which a bronze statue would melt totally down. Wow. So this initial firing is the cooler one. It's quite hot. That initializes this vitrification process. So when the pots come out, you can never turn them back into clay. There's no recycling at that point. They're right. rigid. Then we glaze them. And glazing, if you ever heard the term glaze in architecture or anything, mm-hmm. actually means glass. Right. It's a synonym. So what we're doing is actually applying a glass, um, all the constituents for glass in a powder on the outside of the pot, and then we fire the glass on. Wow. Um, and that, that firing ranges, but um, what we do is about 2,300 degrees or so. So it's the same um, place that you put it. You just turn the dial for the different yeah, degree. Yeah, yeah, We just go a lot hotter. Wow. So, um, so this natural material, even the glass, you know what I mean? Now we're so sophisticated in this day and age yeah. in terms of being a potter. We got it so easy, bro. Right. <laughs> the ancient potter, you know, you can't fire glass onto the outside of a pot. They're unlike materials. They right. expand and contract at different rates. This chemistry, chemistry is so advanced that it does not happen by accident. So for them to be able to pull shards of glazed pottery, mm-hmm. not not just regular pottery, glazed pottery, sealed pottery, 15,000, 20,000 years old, can be, you know, radiocarbon dated. Right. It's yeah. actually a great candidate for that. Um, so it's super accurate. I mean, that doesn't happen by accident. Right. That shows you how clever the human species has been. Yeah. And I really love that. I mean, how they even get it that hot? Like, that's question like, one. I well, mean, you know, they, they were building kilns up hills and putting the fire at the bottom because they were already wow. aware that heat rises. Right. I mean, these are 
you know, I mean, if you took one of these ancient potters or ancient craftsmen of any type and brought them here and put them together right now in in street clothes, they're completely modern homo sapiens, yeah, right? They're yeah. completely modern people. It's just like they live in deep antiquity and yeah. they were doing super advanced things based on all the basic principles that we still know. Wow. They were also refining the clay, digging it up, all this kind of stuff that we don't have to do now. Right. <laughs> and then now when you mentioned with working with the chemist, it's... Yeah. So that they're safe. Is that so there's not like lead or... or yeah. So lead. they may have had that right. and not even known. And that may have right. exactly. gave them some edge, but not health. Yeah. You know, and, and that's that's one of the things too that I think is always a relevant conversation is that, um, you know, there's... We continue to evolve as a culture, as a species, as organisms. Um, and what I hope is happening is we're getting closer to optimizing our life on Earth, Right. right? So, yeah, of course, lead, barium, arsenic, all of these great colorants in yeah. paint or in glaze or in glass or whatever, but not so good for your brain. Right. right? I mean, not so good for your inner organs. But now what we're discovering, I saw a potter online, and I regret, I do not remember the name, but did a t-shirt and it said, um, pottery, not plastic, because that's the thing now yeah. that we're going to be doing. For sure. for sure. This plastic thing is out of control. It's everywhere. And talking we were about. already more sophisticated than eating plastic, yeah. drinking plastic, right. poisoning our food, plastic. We were already more sophisticated back then. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know. So yeah. what we're trying to do now is just use use our art, use our science, use um, cross disciplines, uh, across disciplines, the knowledge that we have gained yeah. to optimize, right? And if we're optimizing, we might as well make it beautiful. That's kind of where we come from is that when we started to make the pots professionally, really out, no safety net, like this is what we do for a living, here we go, right? Um, the most comfort that I had in that moment, which was otherwise pretty scary, yeah, is that this is not really about doing something new. This is not about doing something new. Right. Where, you know, as a young artist, maybe ignorantly, back in the days I was painting, it was like, I was trying to search my psyche, search the yeah. hive mind, search everything right. for this new idea, right? And I regret to tell you, I have not thought of it yet. <laughs> <laughs> but what we do now, this is an ancient continuity. This is the way, this is where we came from. Right. This is the storyteller on the side of the pot, right? You are an ancient farmer. You have this one basically sacred pot in your home to, to hold whatever, six months of rice, yeah. right? That pot is so important, and your job is so dangerous that when you leave and your children know where the food is, when you leave every day to go do something dangerous, you know where you write your history, yeah. the history of your people? Right. On that you pot. write it on the pot yeah. because the kids have to encounter it there. Yeah. It's the same reason why my little boy gets an A in English class. Where does it go? Yeah, right, right in the, the refrigerator. refrigerator. Yeah. Everyone has to encounter it there. That's yeah. where we celebrate. Yeah. That's where we keep our history. That's where the to-do list is. Um, that is the ancient story. Wow. And so when we adorn these pots, I, that's how I think of it. Not that that's my original idea. In right. fact, it's the opposite of that. Like right. We're just carrying this on. Yeah. This is the way it's always been. And that, that, you can tell, comes out in the art that you do. Yeah, I hope so. You know yeah. what I mean? I hope so. We, we have wins and losses, too. You know what I mean? But, um, and there's always a, a design aesthetic that's hot. You know what I mean? Like right. People are really looking for this one color or whatever. Right. And it's like... You know, so there's market forces involved too, but at its purest, um, what I'm really trying to do is just keep this ancient yeah. craftsman continuity going yeah. in this place at this time because, um, yeah. you know, there's there's a lot of shock 
in tourist right. towns and to really be representing in good company mm. with some other great artists in Key West. Yeah, it's nice to not just be adding things for the commercial bang. Yeah. Like, yeah, this guy, these are CBD infused right here, right? Yeah. No, no, no. I make these in the blockchain. Come on. We're trying to make an actual expression of this place um, and an expression that will fit into your life wherever you take it back to. Right. This is, we don't paint fish because, oh, fish really sell in some tropical Florida place. It's because this is where I live. Right. This is what my surroundings are. Right. Like. Fish is everywhere. I'm deeply inspired. You know, when you come off the reef, especially as being a person who's not deeply steeped in marine biology, when I go down on the reef and look, I see stripes and polka dots and bright purple mm -hmm. and that's what it looks like. Right. So Nature's I, I bring inspiring. that back yeah. onto the land and, and try and make an honest, dare I say, childlike expression yeah. of it because that's where the joy is. You know I mean? awesome. And people connect with it. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm into it. We're not stopping. We're going to keep it going. Tell me your first big piece, not in size, but like where you looked at your wife and you're like, did, you know, they said how much for this? And, and you just threw a number out there and you're like, I cannot believe we got that. Yeah, you know what? It's I've had a number of. I'm fortunate that I've had a number of moments like that, but I'm going to twist it just a little bit. Sure, sure. One of the things that I will never forget is um, one of our mentors. Um, his name was Aaron Shipley, and probably some of your listeners remember him. Longtime Key Wester. He's uh -huh. since moved away, but he owned Island Bicycles for a long time. Uh -huh. When I moved to the island, I actually moved here. Um, Partially for the art, the inspiration, and so on. But I'm also a reggae musician. Oh, nice. And um, at that time, I had locks I could put in my back pockets, right? Yeah. And Aaron um, was a Rasta man, and he owned and the bicycles, hence the red, gold, and green. Right. And the whole deal. right. Anyone who remembers it in the day is like when you walked into this bike shop, you basically couldn't hear anything going on because it was reggae music pounding. Yeah. It was just, it was great. It was this awesome environment. And he was very kind and to me. Um, but he also helped mentor me in a very fiery way. Right. And I'll never forget the time he came in. And I was singing the blues a little bit. I yeah. was like, it was tough, man, to figure out business. I had worked in nonprofit. I had been a student. Like, I had never worked in retail. I had never really run my own business. Yeah. Um, especially with, with brick-and-mortar overhead. He came in to the shop one, day, one time. And I was... I was hard up on money. I was in this shop like, here. No, no, not, uh, not on the Wall Street. The other one. Okay, true. Yeah. Right. Like probably first six months. In Got us. Right. And um, I was hard. I, I just was feeling a little down. And he looked and he was like, oh, listen, man, what's the most expensive thing in here? And when he asked me that, I realized all of a sudden I didn't know. Right. I was just making to make. Right. And then I realized like, what? like it just hit me like a gong. Right. Yeah. And he was being serious. Like yeah. he was like, "Listen, like I want to help you with your pricing. Let's talk about this." Yeah. Thing. And I didn't have an adequate response. He was like, "Look, this is why struggle. You gotta, you gotta figure this stuff out. And we gotta make this system." Yeah. And once we did, which took a while, right? It took you know weeks of hard work, of really structuring things, to make sure that A plus B equals C. Yeah. C is your needs are met. Right. After we got that, that was that moment for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. We've sold plenty of expensive work since then and, and you know, plenty of volume and all this yeah. good stuff. But that was that critical moment that I think you're getting at. Yeah, because that's an important lesson for anybody listening in whatever you're doing is yeah. that you have to understand your worth and, and price things out and have a plan. And it's the hardest part. Yeah. And it's the hardest part, but it's so essential, especially if you want to make a living, quote unquote, a living. If you want to make money off of your passion. And that ultimately was a moment that I had to admit to myself. This is a commercial venture. Right. 
you know, I can be altruistic as I want about the passion of arts and this is a fire burning in my soul and everything. But ultimately, I'm actually trying to make a living from this as well. Yes. And that's far more pragmatic than it is emotional. Of course. Of course. And listen, there's, we don't have to, to fool anybody either. There's a huge layer of talent that comes into this too. Uh, the first and foremost is you got to go for it yeah. because you don't want to have regret. And then if you're not getting a response one, two, three, four years in, then you could start maybe making a decision on staying in the art world if you love, but maybe doing something else, you know, or it's like, how many of those stories are they quit? But if they stayed one week later, they would have their big break. So I mean, you just don't know. I mean, you just never know. And that's my thing. I heard you mention Tony Robbins earlier. I've always had a really super steady diet of, um, you know, people who have taught me, Good self-talk. Yeah, you know I mean, good self-talk. That's huge. And and I'm really fortunate. My mother is the absolute eternal optimist. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Regardless of what dire situation we may find right. ourselves in, it's like there's a way out. There is. You know, yeah. there's a way better. Yeah. It's not just about escaping. It's about getting it. Yeah. Really getting it. But you have to be. You have to be right upstairs. Yeah. For sure. Name, and you have to be right in the heart. And if you've got those things down. You know what I mean? The rest of it kind of falls into place, but it's a lot of hard work. Well, one of the things I heard you say earlier, which which makes a lot of sense, is you do have to have a healthy combination of ego and empathy. Yeah. Because you have to know, wow, I made this, or I created this, or I worked on this, and it is awesome. Yeah. And then you have to have the empathy so that you're not getting too high in your own supply, for sure. For sure. So having that combination of both, like I'm in sales, and the best salesmen are like that. Yeah. The best salesmen are the ones where, you know, you're trying to be a consultant and work for somebody and you give yeah. them this big spiel and they're just like, you know, what I'm sat, what I'm hearing doesn't sound like you're right for this. And then you're like, maybe you need to listen better because I'm perfect for this. Yeah. Right. So that's the ego part. Right. But then right. being empathetic to the person that you're trying to sell or work with, you know, those are the important things to know. This isn't a fit. Yeah. Even though I can make money, this is yeah. a fit. Yeah. And knowing that that's like part of a sauce. And it's an art. It's an, I think it's an art. It's not a science. You know? yeah. um, otherwise, we'd have all these really successful artists around. And being an artist can be a struggle. You yeah. know what I mean? But it's like you have to meet the people halfway. And I heard a, another person, sorry to keep recycling all these kind of anecdotes, but it's like, these stick with me, right? Yeah. It's kind of maxims. Yeah, yeah. Is that like, um, you know, as an artist, you have to be both like unrealistically optimistic yeah. and, you know, completely negative too. You have to continue to get better. Yeah. Because it's like if you see the worst side of something, like, oh, it could have been better. Oh, it could have been. Yeah, we don't have we don't have time machines. Exactly. So when people are like, <laughs> what should I do? This or that? It's like pick one and don't look back, because you'll never know. Yeah. And you may have done this other thing, became successful, got on a plane, and then crashed in a car and be dead. So you just don't know. You just right. gotta pick it and you gotta go for it and you, you gotta, gotta be an objective. Yeah, you listen, we have drinking water, we have that. toilets, so like we can look at those things too. Yeah. So people that have it all worse <laughs> oh, right, yeah. than we do. Um so let's switch gears and talk about social media. Yes. When did you get into I mean, obviously, because this is what I do for a living yeah. too, it's like this is the easiest way to get to the most amount of people. And especially if it's beautiful work or artistic stuff yeah. and video is good. So everything you're doing is like the perfect recipe. But when did you first start that? Um, you know, I trying to think, I mean, I was a, a MySpace guy 
back in right. the day. You know what I mean? You had that um, the five, top five friends and you didn't want to yeah, you know, lose that sure, position. Sure. Why are you not that top five? I know. I go back and check. Be like, <laughs> oh, I see how it is. Right. Uh, I'm friends with Tia Tequila or whatever. Right, right, right. Um, you know, I, I just think that it's um, so brilliant the way, uh, especially in the art world, because only because that's only that's the only thing I'm looking at. Yeah. In the art world, it's like, Exposure really matters. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, even though 98% of the people who admire Kelly and I's work and comment and support us, you know, probably will never be an owner of the work. Right. Um, their influence and their word of mouth and even just their good energy. It's like, that is really what, you know, makes our business run. Right. But that's how it was 200 years ago. Yeah. Oh, totally. Right. So you have a butcher shop and you're at a party and this friend you're telling or all these people, maybe none of them come into there, but they will refer if somebody's yeah. sitting and say, Hey, I need a good you know piece of meat. Oh, talk to John the butcher. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's even comes down to just having a good sign. Yeah. Having a good location. I mean, this is, this is what business is, especially in the arts. It's like, if you are well-regarded amongst people who others for some reason think are in the know, yeah, right. Then it's like, you're, the value of your work is, is greatly brought up. But with social media, it's just democratized in a way that, of course, and it's and it's still, there's a conventional aspect to this too. But, you know, in the day, people could really monetize not not the artwork itself, but just the exposure of, course. of the artwork. Of course. Like it became this middleman. Yeah. And with social media, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's just, it's, in some ways, there's still some of that that goes on, but it's like, you know, the people have spoken. You know yeah. what I mean? When people are subscribing and they're actively making a choice to be a part of the thing, it's great. You know Do you I mean? sell more to people outside of the Keys because of that? Oh, without doubt. Yeah, yeah without doubt. I'm, I'm really thankful for it. And, you know, if I'm honest, we just got really lucky with it too. You know right. what I mean? Um, I think that the basic tenet of social media that is obvious, but I think people overlook too much is quality content. Of course. You know I mean? Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. For anyone who's, especially an artist, but if you're promoting anything, you've got to learn how to take a decent photograph. It's yeah. not rocket science. Right. You don't have to be a professional. Better if you are. Right. right? It's like, if you can learn how the basics, very basics yeah. of composition, color, you know, photo touching, so on and so, basically how a camera works. Right. If you figure out how a camera works, it will unlock so yeah. much. And it could be like your iPhone too, how that works. Without doubt. Right. You yeah. don't even need yeah, to do yeah. all this equipment. Yeah, you know, when you take a photograph, it becomes an average of what you're actually seeing. Yeah. The, the camera will gray out to kind of a lowest common denominator. Yes. And it's like, I was fortunate to go to art school and we were, were taught that, but it's like, I now can see when a photograph needs to be lightened or darkened or tweaked just a little bit right. um, to be able to get the right contrast right. to illustrate what you're trying to illustrate. Now, do you, just to interrupt, do you find yeah. yourself... Um, so you do a video and you do a number of different videos right. and then you see, oh, okay, this one is getting more engagement than this one. Yeah. Do you then go, okay, I'm going to shoot them like this. Or are you like, I don't care. I'm doing it. This well, way you know own. what? Maybe a little bit of both because yeah. um, there's nothing like <laughs> looking for a pattern where there may or may not be a pattern. Right. Present. Of course. You know, it's like the, the social media thing. It, it's a moving target. It's yeah. changed a lot. Um, we joined Instagram only a few years ago. It was kind of at the behest of a collector who was in here. I regret that I do not remember this person's name. Um, very friendly. And they were like, you got to get on Instagram. Yeah. Man. Like it's a visual platform. Right. And I was came up with every excuse. I'm so analog. I work in mud all day. Da, da, da. Yeah. 
And, you know, so we started one. And um, at first it was like... Pictures yeah, of the art. Yeah, pictures yeah. of the art. And it was like very exactly what you'd expect. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, here's a picture like of Like a this. scrapbook or whatever, uh, like a catalog. Things, I mean. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, which is only going to get you so far. But um, once I started to include people in the creative process... It was just like, okay, so if I show myself making the work, which, um, you know, feels a little, I feel a little self-conscious about that sometimes, you know what I mean? Because I'm making the work and I am not thinking about like what the expression of my face is. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, but you do that cool dropping the ball thing. And that's, the beginning. Like, yeah, that's like your signature like, beginning. It is, it is because I couldn't, I couldn't just make a boring video. I was like, you yeah. know, if this is showbiz, this is showbiz. I like that. Thing. I love it. It's yeah. like, all right, we're ready. And, it's it like, and it gets me psyched and it lets, it just kind of primes the whole system. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, so inviting people into that process is, I think, where there's part of our spirit, our mind, our brain. I don't know what it is. There's a part of us as human beings that wants to be deeply creative. That actually, I think that on a deep level, everyone realizes we're supposed to be creative. Right. We're supposed right. to be. And it just, to me, it looks so primal because yeah. it is so ancient, yeah, right? Yeah. That it's like, if I saw you doing that with a paintbrush, I would be like, not as, I don't know, feeling connected yeah, to it. Well, so, I think it probably depends on how it's presented. Right. Or, you know what I mean? Something I've, I've watched some pretty great painting videos as well. But, um, but you know, what I loved, what I loved about the Instagram platform originally and it's changed over time yeah. is that you have the square format and it can be only one minute long. Right. Otherwise I'll just cut it off. Right. Which is really challenging because some of these pots can take me 45 minutes to make. Right. But now yeah. you're doing Instagram, the, uh, the TV. Yeah. yeah which is which a little is, bit longer. And, but those are great because you can still put it as yeah. a regular video. And then if someone wants to watch more, they exactly. can continue. Exactly. But um, what it forced me to do was to cut the crap. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to watch me put my hands in a bucket of water 40 times right. because you know it must be happening. Yeah. What I want to do is show the sequence of actions so we can actually see this artwork come to life yes. in a shorter amount of time than what it actually took in real life. Right. But still comprehensive view into um, the, the creation of this work. And people just went nuts over it. And I'm so thankful for that. Right. So you posted the first video of you doing it, and then it was like baboom. Well, it, it wasn't baboom right away, but it was definitely got a good reaction. Yeah. And the first video I took was like my camera leaned up against a soda can yeah. in my dirty studio. It wasn't much to look at. Right. You know I mean, I'm sure I actually took it down at some point. Um, and I should repost it just because it's you should. now because I got into it. Yeah. I actually got you know I have this type A personality. If I'm going to do something, I would be the best. Yeah. You know what I mean? It should be like a Throwback Thursday video. Yeah, for yeah, for sure. real, for real, for real. It's funny too because it was. I remember it was like Christmas season or something, and I was talking about whatever. Yeah. The, the demand at the time. Yeah. Which is hilarious compared to where we're at. Now, right. You know what I mean? But this was a couple of years ago, and uh, you know what happens is that these things travel. Yeah. And they travel both good and bad ways. There's a time last year where um, a lot of my content had been co-opted by some kind of mysterious Chinese company that was selling cheap t-shirts. And I discovered more than 50 accounts that had exclusively my content on it as though I was the one peddling cheap t-shirts with like terrible misspellings on it. And it was like pictures of my kids and stuff too. Wow. Like it was, it was really one of my first wake up calls. Like, oh man, after you put this out there, you can't get it back. Right. I mean, I, I got one to Instagram and complained and this and that. And, yeah. and I think we've got it resolved for the moment, but it's like, 
on the flip side, on the positive side, um, you know, we were picked up by people are awesome. Which, you know, yeah. Just great website. If yeah. people don't know about that or YouTube, yeah. go check out people are awesome. We got picked up by, Oh, just various media sites. Well, um, you mentioned HGTV was HGTV has been yeah. in the gallery. Um, but local media has been great to us. Um, and, and I really love to be involved with local media yes. because, you know, it's like once, you know, a rising tide raises all boats or however you say that, you right. know? it's like, let's all come up together. And this is a great place to live and work. But, um, design milk put us on at one point with the videos and that really, for some reason, First 2,000 followers on Instagram took me forever to get. Of course. I felt like I was scrimping and trying yeah. to get there. But we went from 30 to 60, like in three weeks. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just crazy the way it, the, the growth is exponential. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's just percentages, yeah. right? So it's you grow 10% per time, and right. when you're bigger, it grows quicker. So around that time, I started to really feel conflicted because um, I, I just feel like I don't want to be utterly commercial right. about this. I, I view this as a privilege and I really think it's about art. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. about making, about inviting people into the creative process without being didactically instructional. Yes. They're not instructional videos. Right. They're not instructional photographs. This is about art. This is about why I love it. And I think that a lot of people can just resonate with me on that. And so I try to get creative with some of the writing I do. I try to not not be commercial. I yeah. think people get it. This stuff is for sale. This is what I do for living. Yeah. Right. But um that has given us kind of an angle where it's like, I follow some other cats that do impressive work, but after the fifth, after the fifth and sixth, you know, commercial appeal, I'm like, Oh dude, yeah. you know what I mean, just make it about the work. Exactly. Work exactly. I guess it's easy for me to say. It's, but, it's the know. long run, right? You're doing yeah. things for not for the quick sale. And that's the problem that people have is they're like, all right, there's a timer on what I'm doing. And if it doesn't succeed with this particular thing, then I'm changing it. Right. So do you do any paid advertising at all with Instagram? I have before. Um, you know, I'm open because to it. you should, because with those numbers, yeah. no, you know what, with we, we, to build up the following that we have now, it was an organic thing. You know no, I mean? no, I didn't mean uh, buying it. I meant right, right, right. advertising and marketing to other people around the world right. that love pottery, right? Because it's easy yeah. to pick that demographic yeah. and then show these videos to them. I mean, that would be like... Yeah, you know, I, I, I have done some of that. It's uh, been, if I'm honest, it's been less results-oriented than what I kind of had thought. You know right. what I mean? Well, that's an um, art too. That's my art. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 yeah it's like uh, I didn't use it to its full potential yeah. or something. Yeah. But, um, well, for the people at home, when it comes to, to marketing and doing stuff on Instagram, when Facebook cause Facebook owns them. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's primarily like you split it into two camps. You yeah. do your marketing to get a return on your investment. I'm spending a hundred dollars. I want to make 200 or right. one one. Right. And the other is a percentage goes to straight brand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a reason why you, uh, wear Nikes. Right? right, it's not like the shoes fit that well. That's Sorry, nice. yeah. um, it, it's because of brand. Right. And when we're when we're getting more into a voice atmosphere, which in the next ten years, like our kids, mm-hmm. it we like. There's two things that are most important to humans at this point in time. It's our health mm-hmm. and it's time, mm-hmm. and that's oh. it. <laughs> and that's the reason why video blogs. Yeah. Like if you had a 45 minute thing, I don't think it would do as well. But this quick thing is perfect because time is important and you don't need to 
um, stop your car. You know, you can just watch this quickly and, and be done with it. This is the reason why podcasting and audio is so much bigger now than video. Video blogging was immense. Uh-huh. And then now it's audio because it's called like net time, no extra time. You could be driving, walking, you're right. on the toilet, working. you can be working. I listen to podcasts while I'm throwing pots. Yeah. I, I listen to like, all I the time. I can't type. I can't read during that time. You know what I mean? I'm right. focused on what I'm doing, but it's like, you can only listen to so much music, you know? And exactly. Like, I, I'm, I'm I'm a nonfiction guy too. I just love to get this information. Yeah, so. me too. I, awesome. Like audiobooks, all of it. Yeah. So uh, making sure that the work that you're doing and the stuff you're putting out um, is tailored towards some of the new techniques and stuff like that. Like you're doing these things naturally, which is good. Right. Like long form in Instagram, the, the actual writing is yeah. great. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't do that anymore. Right. So having tons of text in yeah. there, people read that and yeah. it gets if people just, if they're just looking at the same, like the thousand pot you're doing, it's yeah. like, okay. But then when you're also writing stuff to it, it's like, right. wow, that adds that extra element of yeah. what's going into this whole thing. What's he thinking when he's making this? What's the inspiration? Right. And then people are like, well, I want to tap into my art or wow, this is like primal and getting dirty and getting in there and all these other things that, that make it appealing to a human. So yeah. it's like, take yeah. the time to learn the platforms. If you're just not naturally good at it, yeah. take yeah. advantage of the fact that the platforms are free uh-huh. and the fact That's that amazing. you can market for such underpriced amounts right now that it's like you can, people yeah. are building multi-million dollar businesses uh-huh. on social alone. Like there's a, there's an app called wish, mm-hmm. which is the number one competitor right now of Amazon. Mm-hmm. And it's like $5 billion business. And all, they've only done, advertising marketing on Instagram wow. and Facebook and that's it. Wow. And it, uh, here's a, here's a funny fact is it. So Jeff Bezos who owns Amazon, right. When, when, um, uh, Google AdWords were out, the number one spender on Google AdWords was Amazon at the time because mm-hmm. it was underpriced mm-hmm. and he went all in on all this money in something where he can get the biggest bang for his buck. Right. And look what happened. Right. And, yeah. yeah. And it was basically better than buying Google stock or whatever. Yeah. Like, now he's buying Whole Foods. So yeah. Crazy. Man. No, yeah. it's, it's crazy. And, and the whole world of business thing, it's actually become really fascinating to me because inevitably you start to learn about it just by whatever, throwing your hat in the ring. And I, you know, talk about Jeff Bezos and then QS pottery in the next breath is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but what's funny is I feel a part of this business community. Yes. Um, and even in Key West and, and we have a really unique, wonderful thing going on where yeah. it's like my business is brick and mortar you know right. what i mean it's like we do business from this place that we're in right now and if i'm honest that's enough for us it's yeah like we, we do all right but to be online and to be connecting with people what i'm loving about that is that we're making friends yeah. all over the world of course based on common interests based on um you know things that we can show each other so kelly and i are teaching a um workshop in San Francisco next month. That awesome. was like all, that was just all social media kind of connections. Yeah. And for a long time, I felt a little sheepish. Like I felt like some kind of dorky millennial talking about social media all the time. But I'm telling you with, you know, we can take a couple of good photographs and put it out. And, you know, a couple hours later, maybe a hundred thousand people saw it. It's like, it's a major part of what we're doing. Yeah. We're trying to take it seriously and, and give it its due respect. Yeah. So, um, and that's what I love about the videos too, yeah. because of the fact that, um, it's not as much vanity metrics as the likes, right? Right. right. It's just views. 
You don't know what's going on. You know the likes, but nobody else knows behind the scenes. And that's great about that because you put it out there and it's like, you have to worry less about, oh, this didn't get a lot of likes or anything like that. You know, you're putting it out there. It's easy to get caught up in that too. Well, you know what I mean? I've gotten caught up before. I'm like, you know, what happened? Like people stopped liking it. And it's like, wait a minute. Let me just do my work. Right. You want to put out stuff that people like for sure, but you don't want to get caught up in it because you have to be true to you and you have to put out material. Like you just never know what material you're going to put out that can change the course of your life. And it could be something that was like the least, but one person liked it. And that's all that matters. And and if you're putting things out that are going to change the course of your life, you want to be sure that you're putting things out that are going to change the course of your life in the way you want your course of your life to be. (laughs) It's like, I don't want to put out this, uh, you know, fake design junk that I know is hot right now because right. in three years it's going to be something different. Yeah. Like if I'm putting out what's honest for me and it's tempting, you know what I mean? Of I know course. what the colors of the season are. Right. right. It's like, I have to say what's right for me because now that we've run into a decent amount of exposure, I realize how powerful that is. Yeah. I don't want to get pigeonholed, pigeonholed and just, you know, everyone thinks, oh, you go there and it's like, they got the color of the season. Like this is an expression, I don't want to say any better than that, but it's different. Right. Our thing is different. And yeah. That's based on qualities of life that we want. Right. And so uh, this thing is driving our lives forward, but I'm still trying to steer it. Right. <laughs> right. And my my advice would be, um, because we this is we know you're working this account, right? This yeah, is your yeah, account. Oh, no, so um, for me, it's like. This is this is both of your personalities. It's not the business, right? It's, right, right. it's you as the human beings. Which so if sad. you get into some other art as well, yeah, please put it here. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah, may sure. not get the most likes uh-huh. because you just may have pottery fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't matter because this is you as the artist. That's great advice. And put all that out there because it shows more of the humanity. Think of it like what we talked about with the tennis analogy. Yeah, where. You may get worse at first, but then may explode, mm-hmm. right? You may take one step back for four forward uh-huh. because you're showing you the, the artist. So yeah. keep that. And, and I think that that is number one, great advice. It sounds really fun, but also, you know, social media, you know, yeah, I can use it pretty selfishly and put myself out there and oh, it's gotten all big or whatever. Like that's good. you know. Right. But the other thing that I've loved about it is it has taught me to look at artwork in a totally different way. Right. Um, and it may be that, you know, I'm getting older and, and maturing at the same time, I hope. Um, but I feel like it's only recently that I've been able to greatly expand the way I look at work as simply appreciating it as someone else's work. Yeah. As, as a craftsman, right. I'm always deconstructing. How is it done? You yes. know, and I'm always, that that's always the way I've been. How right. did they make it? Yeah. But now with the massive, amount of work that I'm attracted to out there, I guess basically I just don't have the time to do anymore. Yes. It's like, I'm looking at this work and I could just admire it and realize it's utterly different from mine. I'm not going to make something like it or imitate it or whatever. Right. It's like, that's not the point. The point is to enjoy the enjoy work it. for what it is. <laughs> yeah. And I've gotten better at that. And I really truly think that social media has been great in that regard. There's so many great artist accounts out there right now that I'm looking at that are just deeply inspiring and and i don't mean that from a technical perspective of oh he does this one thing so well i just mean like the art is moving 
Yes. You know what I mean? So I think that, that would be a great idea to start to share that out there. This yeah. is my influence, although not, you know, in some direct aesthetic way, but I'm looking at this dude and he's off the hook. Right? Yeah. This, this woman is making this work that's touching. Look at this guy. That's start, the thing. Yeah. You just, you know, you just never know the stuff that you put out, how it could move people. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is about, right? Yeah. That's that's from going full circle, what we started with. That's why you're doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a continuity. I think it's worth it. Um, I think that in a time when we have um, all the bad things in the world that we all know about, have to, you know, repeat endlessly, um, there are a lot of really wonderful things going mm-hmm. on. And um, you know what? It's not, it's not on the news for some reason. Yeah, I know. And But there are places where it does exist, and we've got to make that as visible as possible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, we want to make a living. Yeah, we want to raise our kids. Yes, we want to be safe. I want to be aware of the threats in my environment, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just being a responsible person. But after that, it's like, man, there's just so much good stuff happening. Yeah. There people right generally love people. It's yeah. just how it is. And you know why we know that? Because we can kill each other so easily. Yeah. <laughs> it's real easy to bring some bomb in Times Square and blow it up all the time. It's just not happening. Yeah. It's just not happening because we generally love people. And you can see it when there's an, you see videos of accidents on the road. Someone's arm gets caught in like a train and like everybody bands together. I mean, there's just this humane thing that we have about yeah. that. That yes, there's these few seeds that are just messed up maybe, but as a species, it's real easy for us to do away with each other. I mean, yeah. we really, you know, we're making some bad mistakes here or there with certain things, but. Yeah. In the end, I think we're going to work it out. Work yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it's, I, I don't know, I, I feel like in a time that, especially in, from an environmental perspective or something like that, there's some pretty crazy things taking place. But, you know, to get the good news out there, yeah. I mean, the good, the good news that, you know, people are, are creative, highly intelligent, more sophisticated than ever, really, in many regards. And if we could just bring that back to, um, you know, the ancient philosophy of looking out for each other because ultimately that you're looking out for yourself for sure. that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just shine um, the light on that a little bit more. It's exactly. the moral of that. That's, that's, it's that time now. And, yeah. but that is actually what you see. I mean, that's, that's why, you know, there's some kind of, I, I don't want social media to change too much as we go along in terms of monetizing. I know they're running a business, but um, I love the free exchange of ideas yeah. and information. Of course, there's people subverting it or whatever. Of course, but that they would be doing that in, uh, you know, in a, at a party or that's on bleachers. That's what information is. It just, you know, I mean? social media just exposes who you really are quicker. That's yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but a lot of good things coming through right now. A lot of things I'm paying attention to that for no other reason than, uh, you know, what they teach me how to raise my teenager better. Yeah. They teach me how to whatever, how to put things into context, how yeah. to see uh, my own existence from a, 10,000 foot perspective. Yeah, it's an instant peer group. Highly, highly important. You know, yeah. can't operate in a vacuum. And uh, as you know, being on a tiny island in the middle of the ocean, sometimes I joke a lot with people that, you know, uh, we moved to Key West to get away from it all. Right. And boy, oh boy, did it work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Now, sometimes I want to plug back in and, and see what's happening in the larger art world and everything. But luckily, you know, we're able to do that um, virtually many times. And yeah. It helps us decide where we 
go physically. Right. And what we check out when we're there. Right. Because that's some big surprise. I don't have to go off the tourist pamphlet. It's like I've already contacted these people. Exactly. Going, exactly. You know I mean? and exactly. Which I love. So um, that's awesome. I'm always stoked when people come in and they've sought us out beforehand. And um, I always try to take good care of those people in the gallery too. So um, nice. yeah, man. Stoked. I'm I stoked. It's just very lucky. You know what I mean? Very lucky that um, the quality content got seen by the right people and it got bigger than what I had thought. I hope it continues in that direction. And if not, thankful for the opportunity and the platform as it is. You're doing a great job. So yeah. keep that up for sure. Yeah. All right. Let's go with a couple of parting questions, cool. which are the personal questions here, which are your favorite event to attend in Key West. My favorite event to attend Key West. Um, this is me like racing through my brain, trying not to say what everyone else says. Yeah, everyone else is like the uh, the local parade. And, uh, oh, I do love the local parade, actually. You know what? Um, I have done a lot of nonprofit work since I've been in Key West uh-huh. and um, just different, mostly arts advocacy, yeah. um, some stuff. I, I love children. I love kids. Right. I think they are such a worthy investment in almost whether it's sports, arts, anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do some galas and some things like that. I always, I love to see people kind of gathered around for one, um, unobstructed purpose, uh-huh. whether it's studios, QS, whether it's, um, QS art, historical society, things like that. Um, I think that those are meaningful and fun. Yes. You know I mean? Of course. Of champagne and you yeah, know, everything right. like that, but your money is going to something meaningful. We supported the Montessori school for many, many years in that regard. So I really like those. Um, if I can tell you the truth, I, talk with so many people just in the shop in Wall Street and I am not on the hard sell. It's like we're I we are just BSing with the good people yeah. of the world in this shop. Yeah. And yeah. At the end of the day, like I want to go home and like be quiet. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know? This is your day your day to day is your I'm event. like, you know, I'm happily married. I'm like not you know, the kind of social creature that yeah. so many people know Key West for, but um I still love it just the same. Right. You know? so, what about for music? If you and your wife want to go out and listen to some music. Oh you gosh, you know, um, music, I have a great love for green parrot is, is yeah, always that's like the go-to for everybody. Yeah. Cause it is great. I mean, the music is awesome there. And you know, raising my, my kids are getting to the age now where we're arranging less babysitters and so on and so forth. But you know, for a long time, we had little, little kids. Yeah. So for us to go out was not, um, super common. And so we would go out for a specific purpose. Mm-hmm. And I, I love what, I love the bands that John brings in and you can you know about them far enough in advance exactly. to know that, oh, whatever, um, Swain yeah. alone is going to be there. Right. I get that email that says like next yeah, month and you're great. like, perfect. That's great. Great. Um, and, and I think there's a, a good variety there too, amongst so many others. You know, I, I, I one of my favorite spots is 0.5 and um, I know it's not like this live music mecca, but when the DJ is up there, just getting down on the, on the vinyl, yeah. it's like, just a little funk soul. Awesome. It's, it reminds me of where I came from and I just appreciate it so much yeah. to see some actual records right, right. play. And you know what I mean? The DJ booth is like, it's ridiculously small, but this huge sound comes out. I just love it. That's it great. It adds to the whole cocktail bar kind of event, which I love. So what about favorite thing to do with the kids? Favorite thing to do with the kids. You know, my um, oldest boy, it has kind of rapidly become, an accomplished young sailor. So we wow. go to the, um, the um, QS Sailing Club, which is like kind of down in the bite there. Mm-hmm. You talk about mm-hmm. just sailboats, but it's super crazy affordable for family membership wow. um, per year. I, I don't want to misquote it, but it's something ridiculously affordable. And yeah. You can basically go there and rent a boat. And it's like, you know, my... Like a catamaran or something? I, uh, you can do a Hobie cat. Yeah. Wow. Um, but 
there's a, a racing team that they're just starting for, you know, a youth racing team. So my 13 year old or soon to be 13 year old is solo navigating these boats across the harbor. I don't even know how to right. do that yet. You know You're like, whoa. It's, it's really cool and it's got you outside. It's invigorating. It's got that like a little taste of danger sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Sort of Which is good for the kids, you know, have it's that. that. To, that, like you're on, you're on your own kind of thing. Yeah. A problem comes, you must navigate it. There's no dad to help you out. Yeah. So I, you know, I love that with the kids. Um, there's, there's a lot of great things. I mean, we, we really live that kind of cool neighborhood life. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our neighborhood has a couple of kids from the boys at school within bike proximity. Yeah. And um, we we live in a, a little closed circuit neighborhood that a lot of people don't know about. It's right on the island. We're super fortunate to buy a uh, an old beater uh, house that was in foreclosure. We put all our love and sweat and tears yeah. into it. It's our little it's our little joint, you know. And um, so the boys are are rocking the longboard up and down. Nice the skate park. It's I love how you can still have that old school life. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's I love that all, about the neighborhoods that strive here. I love that. It's amazing. It's, it's like how I grew up. And even though to me, that doesn't seem like a long time ago, the world is much different place. Yeah. Well, it's nostalgic for us because yeah. I did two dead end streets, driving my bike to school, climbing trees. My parents, like, think about it now, right? It's like my parents would be like, it's Saturday, it's 10 o'clock, go, come back when it's dark. Yeah. And there's no phone, there's no <laughs> right. nothing. Now, if you called your friend and they weren't home, like you just had to call over. <laughs> well, no, imagine if you're like, meet me at the fountain at two and yeah. you show up there and they're not there because they like, their mom's running late. Right. Okay. What do you do? You leave. Yeah. Right, exactly. But it's like, I couldn't imagine my kid at 11 years old, yeah. like leaving and coming home oh, and there's no way to get in touch with yeah, him. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, uh, but it's crazy. And I wasn't climbing trees and my parents are watching me climb these trees yeah. that are like 50 feet high. I'm like, well, if I fall, I'd be dead. And they're just yeah. like waving at me. And I'd be like, holy <laughs> Mom, just, I'm actually scared. Yeah, yeah. It's just wild now. Uh, but you know what? They, they got a good team. So the kids, I, I just think that the kids have a great life. You know, the, everything's a little islandy. It's a little bit rickety. It's a little bit, you yeah. know. And I always feel like, you know... I think we look out for each other here. For that's, sure. That's what's important. People see the kids and they're like, you're Adam and Kelly's boy. <laughs> you know? And and I appreciate that because I feel like that about others. But yeah. We, we've had a good run of it. You've asked. Awesome. I think they have too, yeah. So what about um, where people could find you? Social media? Yeah. Website? Know, I'll put we, it all in the show notes. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are um, at Key West Pottery um, on Facebook, Instagram, there may be a couple other stray ones out there. But, <laughs> I'll find them. But, you know, my, my best way is um, Instagram. That, that one, it's just the easiest for me. I don't want my job to become about constantly searching for visibility. Yeah. I want my job to be um, making the work. Right. And um, sometimes I make things and people we were discussing earlier don't resonate on it until later on. Right. right. You know, whatever it is. Um, but uh, Instagram, I, I literally... And running that, my personal self, yeah. and my personal yeah, self. Yeah, I mean, you responded to me. So yeah, it's like yeah, you're yeah. very responsive on I try. I try to be as responsive as I can. You know, um, we get a lot of messages yeah. on there. And I really respect people. And sometimes it takes me a second to get back. Of and course. I feel bad. Some people have gotten pissed off about it. And it's just like, 
it's not my full time job to, right. to be on Instagram, right. but I do try to represent it in a very honest yeah. way. And well, there's always toilet time, and that's yeah, the yeah. best time for responding. <laughs> I saw some infographic about that the other day. Like, do not borrow someone's phone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, you know, uh, at Keywords Pottery, KeywordsPottery.com right. is, is um, a very basic website. It shows some of our work. It gives you a link to the online store, which we've done well with. We just try to keep it clean and functional. Yes. It's impossible to represent the entire breadth of work that we have in the gallery on the online store because we have such quick turnover. Right. So if anyone is out there listening, um, one of the best ways to get a hold of us is just to call the gallery yeah. and say, hey, which fish do you have right now? Right. And then take a picture and send it to you exactly. right this moment. Exactly. You know? um, because otherwise there's just... Right, that fish came and went. Yeah, <laughs> otherwise it's too hard. We can't. We just yeah. You know, I mean, you will have a full time job uploading new pictures to the e commerce. Exactly. And, and maybe I, one day we'll we'll get there. And I don't see the you know, mass producing a hundred fish in the back the same yeah. exact way. I right, right, right. Now, kind of no, this is bespoke because these are one of a kinds. We have some things that we can never. We make this rooster model that's become very popular, and we can just never run out of them. But you know, it's like um, the work is not formulaic in that way. You know what I mean? We're yeah. just we're. You come in this year and next year it might look totally different. Right. I don't know either. Right. We'll come in. That was my, yeah, yeah, yeah. my last comment is 1201 Duval Street on the quieter end. Yeah. Uh, if you're here, please come by, stop in, say hi. Yeah. You're easily approachable. So, and look at the art, you know, uh, get some more stories. This stuff is meant to be in your hand, uh, yeah. to pick it up, to feel it. That, that's how you really, um, that's how you really feel the maker right. on, on these objects and what's, cool to think about maybe as kind of self-indulgent as it is and i believe that you can feel um the hand of the person who made it yeah and as long as it's not destroyed or doesn't at, you know hit the floor by accident um that lives on right you know for as long as the pot is there so yeah. even after i'm long gone this hand and, and the sensitivity with which we're trying to make this work at least i cool. think is detectable so it's there and it's it's meant to be in real people's lives so awesome. i encourage you to stop by Yes, for sure. Um, last question. Yes, sir. I always like to end with is give us a tip of the day. It could be a new gadget, a new website, a book you're reading, um, anything. You know, I've been um, really into this um, author for a long time. His name is Graham Hancock. And um, he just came out with a new book uh, called America Before. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's his read on history. He's not a researcher, but he's more of a reporter. He's like, he synthesizes with leading experts yes. in um, a variety of different subjects, but basically getting to the point of um, giving us some context for the human species on this earth right, right. now. His claim to fame is he's really coined this term that we're species with amnesia. Wow. And um, he's a very compelling author. The only reason I even mention it here is because um, that books you're reading and i think that what i love about his work the most is not that you can take it hook line and sinker but that it compels you to look more objectively into the past mm. and i think that that gives us so much context for what we're doing now right. some of the things are so obviously giant mistakes that yeah. are happening right now yeah with a historical perspective we can crutch course right. you know what i mean we don't have to even be fans of the same politician to right. correct of course of course it's a really so much about a personal responsibility and i think that history if you can fall in love with it if it's not boring to you um can really give you that perspective absolutely so, so i i have been on and off of like deep history studies for a long time but i'm back on it right 
Nice. So okay. So we're back on it. Yeah, yeah, Get yeah. your history in there, History Channel. You can do uh, How the Men Made America. That's a pretty good special on yeah. History Channel. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, Adam, it was really great talking to you. I know you got to get back to this the beauty that you have here at QS. I really yeah, appreciate yeah. you and your time. Thank you. It was an honor.